Hey, thanks for checking out the weekly podcast from Chattanooga Valley Baptist Church. We hope you found this episode to be challenging and encouraging. Now, let's turn our attention to this week's sermon from Pastor Brian Carroll. Twenty twenty, Time Magazine said is the the worst year ever, which is interesting because it's written from a perspective of people who haven't experienced all the years that have ever existed. So it's hard to say that for certain. However, uh, it is the time of year when we begin to think back over the previous twelve months and begin to look forward to what the next twelve months have to offer. And we're not alone in that uh, rec- in that consideration. It's time when all the magazines and newspapers start telling us about what they determined to be the most important issues over the past twelve months. Let's look at some of the uh, some of the cover stories here. Billboard magazine uh, gives us the number ones throughout throughout the year there. So uh, so Billboard tells us that. Let's see what's next. Um, Entrepreneur Magazine says, How Zoom won 2020. And if you've sat on your share of Zoom meetings, you would say that uh, you feel like it lost everything this year. Uh, next is um, Guitarist. So, uh, so Gear of the Year there. So, uh, uh, so if you're into guitar, then, uh, then Guitarist Magazine will tell you all about the best stuff of this year. Let's go to next. Newsweek said, Forget 2020, let's just look forward to 2021. Uh, They said, uh, be happy in 2021. Let's see what's next. Outside Magazine said, outsiders in 2020, people who made the year better. Let's see what's next. PC Magazine, best products of 2020 inside. They just have a picture of a Mac. Go figure. Uh, Next next, uh, next one. Uh, And Time Magazine tells us who the person of the year is. And uh, it's, uh, it's uh, President-elect Biden and Vice President-elect Harris. Uh, if you're bothered by that, President Trump was chosen as person of the year in the year he was elected. So, uh, so they are equal in that. And then, uh, is that it? Yeah, I thought so. I thought that was it. Of course, uh, newspapers will undoubtedly begin printing their year-end stories. The only one I could lay my hands on was from the New York Times, and it was the 20 most important animal stories of 2020. And I didn't read it because I wasn't all that interested and I had better things to do with my time. But I did find 2020 animal stories, or, or the 20 most important animal stories of the year. As I reflect on the past year, I can certainly understand the urge that many of us have to get this thing behind us, right? I mean, this is December 27th. We are so close to the finish line that 2021 is right around the corner. But if I can just be real frank, I don't have a lot of warm fuzzies about 2021 either. As a matter of fact, I heard somebody say this morning that the sequel is never better than the original. But that is a chapter that has not been written yet that we haven't quite gotten to yet. However, as we bring this year to a close, I do believe that there is some wisdom to be found in spending some time reflecting on those things that we have learned. It's no secret for many of our friends and neighbors, many who are even listening today, this year has been one of the hardest things that you've ever had to endure. Uh, There are very few folks alive today who have a working memory of the events of World War II and the Great Depression. That's not to say that we haven't had hard moments since the end of World War II in 1945, 
But I do believe that, that we all can agree that this pandemic has, has touched everyone, everywhere, regardless of whether it is, uh, whatever your thoughts and opinions are about it, it's literally touched everywhere. I saw this week that it's even in Antarctica. Antarctica was the only continent that didn't yet have COVID, and the, I think, Chilean research station in, uh, in uh, um, Antarctica now has 20-something cases of COVID there. I saw this cartoon the other day. I think it really captures the essence of how widespread the effects have been. If you can't see it, it's Santa and Mrs. Claus. Mrs. Claus says, you look exhausted. And Santa says, well, I spent half the night rushing back to the sleigh because I kept forgetting my mask. Now, I don't want to spend our next few moments together simply rehashing all of the fun that we've had this last year. However, I can't help but wonder what God might have for us as we head into 2021. And to bring those thoughts into clarity, I want us to turn our attention to the Bible's hymn book. Psalm, the book of Psalms this morning will be in Psalm chapter 46. If you've got your place and you're able, I would invite you to stand with me as we read this entire psalm, the 46th psalm. Beginning in verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Selah. God, I'm grateful for the words of the psalm, the challenge in these verses to give us hope in the midst of trial, to encourage us in the midst of our hardships. Lord, may we give good reflection to the year that's passed and prepare our hearts for what is ahead. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. This morning, as we get ready to turn the page from 2020 to 2021, I've got just two things that I want us to keep in mind. Now, I'll expand on those two things, so don't get excited that you're getting to lunch early. But I do have two things that I want us to keep in mind as we prepare for the next 12 months. And the first is this. In the midst of struggle, don't lose sight of historical constants. What do I mean by that? You see, when we read this psalm, we can't help but extrapolate some facts. It's true. We don't really know the specific context of Psalm 46. 
It's not like it's, it's one of the David Psalms where it tells us that David was hiding in a cave. Uh, you know, it doesn't give us that information. So we don't have a lot of information about Psalm 46. However, the, the words of the psalm do help us to, to have some idea generically of what's taking place. And the, the, the good thing about a generic psalm like this is, is that, that the, the generic nature of these words really helps to bridge the gap between the biblical story and, and our story. If we're reading about King David in a cave, then, then we've got a very narrow context in which those words were written. However, for this psalm, it's written without that. And so as we find ourselves in, in the predicaments we find ourselves in today, it really does help us to, to, to bring these words into our own story. And so we need to not lose sight of the historical constants that exist there. And here, what are, what are some of these historical constants that we can extrapolate from these words? The, the first thing is this. The psalmist reminds us that there will be seasons of trouble. There will be seasons of trouble. Notice that this psalm is written not from the perspective of potential trouble, but from the perspective of actual trouble. He doesn't say God might be our refuge and strength. He says that God is our refuge and strength. He doesn't say, though, the mountains might be moved. There's the possibility that they will be moved. It could happen. He says that the mountains are moved. The mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. So there is, this is written from the understanding that there are going to be challenges, there are going to be difficulties, there are going to be struggles. I think sometimes this gets lost, though, in our land, because, man, we've tasted so much prosperity and freedom. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how, how blessed this nation has been. The poorest among us are wealthier than some of the wealthiest in certain parts of the world. Again, that's a testament to the hard work of so many throughout the, the last, last centuries, but it's also a reminder of God's clear protection, that, that God has taken care of, of this nation. I believe God's blessed it because of our commitment to take the, the, the gospel to the ends of the earth. I really think that we've been, we've been preserved because of that. However, it does shock us when tragedy strikes. None of us woke up to the news on Christmas morning of an of a apparent bombing in downtown Nashville and said, oh, saw that coming. I mean, we all anticipate that that was shocking to us. It, it wasn't expected. It, we don't expect those things to happen. It, it's, it, it moves us when those sort of tragedies take place. You know, we, we still, though, we think about the blessing of, of, of what this country has done over, over the last hundred years. Just consider the fact that more people have been lifted out of poverty than ever before. But even still, there's places in the world today where day-to-day -day existence is carved out of struggle and trouble. However, as Christians, we, we should never be caught off guard when we experience trouble in this present age. Jesus warned us about it in John chapter 16. He says, you are going to have trouble. You are going to have hardship. It's going to come your way, not if, but when. Honestly, we shouldn't even be surprised that we had a pandemic. If anything, we should be actually surprised that we've not had more 
pandemics, considering the interconnected natures of our economy and the fact that you can get on an airplane in Beijing, China, and land in Los Angeles, California without ever having to stop and get more fuel. The fact that we are so connected and, and we can move from one country to the other with, with such freedom it really should surprise us that we've not seen more of these things take place. However, we see it, it's a picture of God's common grace. He's given us the, the means to overcome so many different illnesses and diseases, and, and it appears that he's even given us the means now to overcome this current challenge with what appears to be a safe and effective vaccine. And not only will, hopefully, by God's hand at work, it will overcome COVID-19, the new technology that's been developed. It may even be able to help us overcome uh, different diseases. We, the technology used to manufacture these new vaccines have promise when it comes to immunotherapy for cancers and other viruses. And so the potential for the things we've learned to actually improve our life in the years to come is actually quite high. And so we should thank God for those things. And while this idea about hardship is not going to build large crowds in churches, it does at least help us be ready when we find ourselves facing the challenges that are brought about by life in a fallen world. A second constant that we need to keep in mind is this. We need to understand that there are some generations who will live through significant societal changes. Another reality that we tend to lose sight of because uh, for one, we're kept in a, in a generation, and so we're, we're, we're contained, and so we don't think necessarily about what was before us or what's after us. We, we live our life in our day and in our time, but we also have lived in a nation that has been relatively protected from upheaval and unrest due to strong founding documents and a relatively strong commitment to it. Are we facing today large-scale societal changes? Well, typically we don't know it until it's already happened. We don't know it until it's in the past. Now, we can certainly look to legal decisions that have helped to point us down a particular road that has a very messy ending. We can certainly see how there are worldviews that are becoming more and more pervasive that are not based in a worldview that begins with an understanding of who God is. There's a lot of indicators, though, that historians are going to look at 2020 and say that this was one of those historical hinges on which things change, on which things turn. Whether it's the pandemic, the race riots, the protests, whether it's the election and the, 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 the contested results of that election, who knows whether this bombing in Nashville was an isolated event or a test of uh, infrastructure that could lead to something worse. We certainly know, at the very least, 2021... It's going to be very different from 2019. And hear me correctly, I'm not in the least bit suggesting that we're going to change for the better. However, as the church, we shouldn't be caught off guard by anything. We've been given ample warning. We've been told ahead of time. Consider the psalmist in Psalm 46, verse 6. He says here in verse 6, he says, The nations rage and the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. It's another one of those statements that's based in actuality, not potentiality. The nations will rage. The kingdoms will totter. And the course of human history has reminded us again and again and again, nations don't last forever. And subsequent nations 
are not always the moral and ethical improvements over their predecessors. Our nation, I believe, represents a positive change over the monarchies of Europe that produced us. However, many of our current trends are not an encouraging sign that we're moving in the right direction. The third constant that we should keep in mind is this. Being mindful of these constants helps to prepare us for future challenges. When you open your Bible, you can't help but recognize that it is a history book. Obviously, it's more than a history book, but it certainly contains history. It is the history of God's plan of redemption. But as you read it, you can certainly see how our spiritual ancestors acted both correctly and incorrectly. We can learn from their mistakes and their tragedies. We can also learn from their victories. However, just like Harvard professor George Santayana said, those who cannot remember the past are condemned to repeat the past. At the very least, being aware of where we've been keeps us from being lulled to sleep by where we currently stand. And all of these constants from history are helpful reminders for us. But if we don't keep going, if we stop right there, we're left with a pretty bleak picture of what we're looking forward to, which honestly, it's not much. So how do we handle that as Christians, as Bible-believing Christians? What do, what do we do with this? Well, that's where the second point comes in. The second point is this. In the midst of struggle, we can't lose sight of biblical truth. In the midst of struggle, we cannot lose sight of biblical truth. Again, we understand that the Bible is a history book, but one of the things that that history book teaches us is what was God's role in all of the struggles. God was active. God was busy. God wasn't just hands-off when his people encountered difficulties. For example, in the flood, God provided a means of rescue, a means of redemption through the ark. In Sodom and Gomorrah, God sent angels to rescue Abraham's family. When Abraham was commissioned to sacrifice his son, God provided a ram over and over and over again. God provided help for his people. He didn't always remove them from their trials, but he never once abandoned them either. Consider the psalmist's reflection in his day of trouble. He said that God is a very present help in times of trouble. I love the word. That's a phrase we don't use very often. You know, in the classroom when the teacher's calling roll and the kids say, present, Present. You don't ever hear a kid say, I'm very present. That's just not a phrase we use. Well, where are you? I am very present. That seems to be in our language a term that's reserved exclusively for the Lord. What does it mean? Well, the sense of that word, that phrase, is, is it means that, that someone is to show up at a specific place with force. Uh, so it, it's not just a it's not just that God is casually walking by and sees you struggling and decides to, to reach out a hand to help. 
It's not like that, that God is one of the travelers on the, the road where the Good Samaritan took place. He's not just one of those just passing by and, and looking to find you in your mess and, and offering to, to lend a, a helping hand. The, the sense of this that God is our, our very present help in times of trouble means that, that God shows up with force at the point of our peril. He knows our troubles, he knows our pain, and he is never, ever, ever caught unaware. He is a very present help in our trouble. Always there to help. Never, never just an observer. Never simply there to criticize our response. You know people like that where you're in trouble and you're working through it and you've got so-called friends like Job who come along and say, you know, you did that all wrong. You, you could have done this differently. You could have handled this better. You, you didn't do this right. That's not, how, that's not God as our, our very present help. God is there as our helper to be someone who makes a contribution to our, to our overcoming those struggles or getting through our struggles. And how does God contribute? How is He our helper? It may be to point us in the right direction. It may be to help us understand the purpose of the trouble. It may simply be to help us with the mental, physical, and spiritual fortitude that we need in order to endure. And regardless of the outcome, He is our very present help in whatever our trouble might be. We need to remember that he's been with us every step of the way in this past year. Whether your journey has taken you into the realm of dealing with COVID, either personally or with a loved one. Maybe your journey through 2020 has resulted in job loss or job change or hours cut. Maybe your journey through 2020 has been impacted because you've not been able to access the medical treatment because of all of the restrictions. Whatever your journey has looked like throughout this year, God has been your very present help every step of the way. And he's going to be with us with force and precision in whatever unknowns we face for the future. Think about that. He's our very present help in times of trouble. Both times that we've been through, we can see his hand at work, and times that have yet to arrive, he's going to be there, right there with us, every step of the way. That's a biblical truth that we can hold on to. That's something we should not lose sight of, and it's very easy to lose sight of it in the middle of our hardships. But a second biblical truth that we need to remember is this. God's kingdom will outlast every single human institution. God's kingdom will outlast every single human institution. Look at verses 4 and 5 in Psalm 46. Gosh, I love these verses. They go on a sign from Hobby Lobby. It says, There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when mornings dawn. We know nations will rise and fall. He has told us that. However, the psalmist here reminds us that the city of God, 
the habitation of the Most High shall not be moved. Uh, Consider that, that in spite of everything that is in tumult and turmoil around us, regardless of whether our cities burn, regardless of any of those things, the city of God is unmoved. God is there. I tell you what, if somebody could say to me, I want to offer you residency in a place that is never moved by troubles of life. I want to offer you a place where there's no crime, where there's no need for police. We talk about defunding the police in this weird world in which we live. I want to be part of a kingdom where you don't need police. Here's the good news. If you're in Christ, you're already part of that city. You're already part of that kingdom. And in spite of what transpires here, that kingdom is never moved. Consider all of the nations that have come and gone in the last 2,000 years. Consider all the empires that have risen from the dust of former empires. Consider all of those things and remember this, that God's kingdom hasn't budged. In fact, we could argue that the kingdom of God has continued to advance in spite of relentless attacks. The greatest empires have crumbled, but God's kingdom stands. Powerful nations controlled by powerful rulers have vanished into the pages of the history books, but God remains in the midst of his city unmoved. Mighty armies have been defeated at the hands of their enemies. But look at what verse 7 says. The Lord of hosts is with us. That's God's military title. When he says the Lord of hosts, that's God's title as he is the ruler of of heaven's army. That's what that host is. And, and, And he is the Lord of hosts, and he is with us. That's not to say that we don't have a vested interest in who sits in the Oval Office. We certainly recognize that elections have consequences, and I don't believe you're voting for a man or a woman as much as you're voting for a worldview and a and what they represent. So we have a vested interest in who sits in that office, but at the same time as Christians, as the church, we understand we could have the most corrupt, God-hating president and administration in history. We understand that our nation could be ran into the ground. And as bad as that hurts from a human perspective, Our king isn't shaken, and our citizenship is intact. Thirdly, a third biblical truth to hold on to from Psalm 46. Keep calm and carry on. Now, you probably have seen that somewhere other than the pages of Scripture. As a matter of fact... You've probably seen it used in various marketing endeavors from various companies to try to sell you products. The phrase was actually coined by the Brits back, back in the beginning of, of World War II. It was used as a motivational poster to encourage the British citizens to carry on about their life, to keep their economy going in spite of the 
potential for German bombings. However, I, I tend to think that they actually got that phrase from Psalm 46, verse 10. Not really, I'm just guessing. But listen to Psalm 46, verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. That might be the Christian equivalent of keep calm and carry on. You see, regardless of the troubles that we've got, based on what we already know, God's word to us here is simply this. Be still and know that I am God. You ever notice how hard it is to be still when you're in the midst of trouble? I remember a couple years ago, we actually, uh, actually went out to, to Colorado for a family vacation in uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's. And on the way out there, I, I, I was afflicted with, a, with some sort of respiratory infection. This was pre-COVID, so, uh, so I, I didn't have it, have it then. I'm not patient zero. Um, but I remember as we, we, where we stayed, we were way up in elevation, like 6,000, 7,000 feet where we, were, where we were staying. And I remember that as, as I was having the cough and then sinus problems and all that stuff, I remember that, that laying down made it very difficult to, to breathe because we were thinner oxygen, low, high altitude, all that stuff. And I found, found myself really struggling. And... In the moment of struggle, as I was laying there having a hard time breathing, I didn't lay there and continue having a hard time breathing. What do you think I did? I had to get up, move around, because laying there not being able to breathe was, was, was almost creating a sense of, of panic. And I had to get up and, and move around. I was anything but still. I tried to sit in a chair to try to get some relief. I, I you know, tried to find some way to get some relief, and it just wouldn't happen, because in that moment of distress, I was anything but still. I think that's true physiologically, but I also think it's true psychologically and emotionally. I think it's true even spiritually that when trouble is at its worst, it's really, really hard to be still. You know, the story of Elijah there in 1 Kings is a story of a man that loved the Lord, was eager to serve the Lord, and whose life was filled with troubles as a consequence of his service to the Lord. His greatest enemy was the queen. Her name was Jezebel, and she sought to kill him. And in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah has an encounter with God after literally running for his life. He's hiding in a cave, and God comes to him and questions him and, and said to him in 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 9, he says, what are you doing here, Elijah? And Elijah said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, killed your prophets with the sword, and I, even I alone, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. If the government kills everybody in your profession and you're the only one left, it's safe to say that you're having a pretty bad day. And God said to him, Go out and stand on the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind tore the mountains and broke in pieces the rocks before the Lord. 
But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind and earthquake, the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, the sound of a low whisper. And when Elisha heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Well, as a consequence of that encounter, Elijah gets back to work. In spite of the challenges that were in front of him for getting back to work, And part of what happens when Elijah gets back to work is that he meets a young man named Elisha. And together, these two men, Elijah and Elisha, became the two most powerful prophets in the Old Testament. And I just got to think that Elijah would have never found Elisha if he had not simply been still, quietened his soul enough to hear and to carry on with this task. Be still and know that I am God. You know, I believe that's something the church needs to do today. As we apply the lessons of 2020 to the unknown events of 2021, As the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be still. And that doesn't mean that we be quiet. It doesn't mean that we be passive. But it does mean that we need to be still. If we are still, then we can listen to the Lord, we can hear from the Lord, and we can respond to His Word. Because listen to me, there are countless other voices yelling at us right now. If you want to hear what somebody thinks about you and about the church, about the Bible, about the gospel, you don't have to work real hard to hear those opinions. And it's not coming in a whisper. It's coming in 110 decibel yells and screams. It's coming from institutions. It's coming from individuals. It's coming from everywhere. But that's not the voice of God. We need to be still and listen for that voice from God. And what we will likely hear from Him is that we have to carry on the task that He has set before us. As I was reflecting on this year and preparing for this sermon, it occurred to me that this past year has taken a terrible toll on the church's efforts to reach the lost and make disciples. Our outreach efforts have been crippled. At the same time, small groups have been hindered. It's been terrible. But in spite of that, has God's purpose for us changed? Has he, has he said, you know what, that whole go to the nations and, and preach the gospel, make disciples, you guys don't worry about that right now. That's not changed at all. It's not been diminished It's not been taken away. He's not been redirecting our efforts. That hasn't changed at all. If anything, (laughs) if anything, we've learned in the last nine months how great the need for the church really is. We live in a world that needs the church, men and women. 
and we see it day in and day out. Speaking on the morality of our nation, John Adams said, Avarice, ambition, revenge, and licentiousness would break the strongest cords of our Constitution as a whale goes through a net. And then he goes on to say the quote that we're all very familiar with. Our Constitution was made only for a moral and religious people. It is wholly inadequate to the government of any other. That moral fiber that is necessary for the success of a nation can come only from God, and it can only be reinforced by the biblical church. And so God's word to us is be still and know that he is God. Being still means that we need to stop worrying. Being still means that we need to start listening. Being still means that we quieten our soul. And at the same time, being still allows us to realize exactly who's in charge. Like Elijah, we can only hide in the cave so long before it's time to get back to work. And if we are still, we will find that God is unmoved, God remains steadfast in his commitment to reach the nations, and God remains steadfast in his commitment for our church to reach this community. If we were still, we will find that God continues to be our refuge and strength. And even in the present trouble of this day, he is very present as our helper to assist us along the way. As we close the book on 2020, at least I hope we are, we still got a few days left, so who knows. I really do believe that regardless of what the next 12 months hold, God's purpose hasn't changed a bit. And I do believe that the last nine months have allowed us to lose our focus to some degree. And it's important for us to regain and recapture that focus because God's focus hasn't changed. Now, what does that mean? That means that going forward, the tools we use may be different. This, this thing now that we're using, they tell us that this is the new front door of the church, that people... Uh, People don't come to church anymore and walk through the back, walk through the door and say, well, I, never, I don't know what to expect. Now they've watched us online and they know what to expect, and this is the new front door. It's a new tool. It's something that we've not had to necessarily worry about as much as we once did. So the tools have changed, but the purpose has not. We understand the, the way we go about it may be different, but the purpose that God has remains unchanged. God continues to be and will always be our refuge and strength, our very present help in whatever trouble we may face. Would you pray with me, please? God, we certainly face an upcoming year with a fair amount of uncertainty and obviously concerned for what the future holds. But God, regardless of 
of what January 1st, 2021 has in store for us. God, you're, you're still on your throne. You remain unmoved and unshaken. And Lord, though nations may rise and nations may fall, there is a kingdom that remains steadfast and true. And we are, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, citizens of that kingdom. And so God, may we be ever mindful that as much as we love this land and we love our nation and we love we love all the things about what it means to be a citizen of this country. Lord, may we keep in mind the historical reality that nations rise and fall, but the kingdom stands forever. God, I pray that if there's any here today who are not citizens of the kingdom of God, they've heard about the king, they've heard about the kingdom, they know the sacrifice that the king made by giving his life in place for our sins, that we might be born again and given a new citizenship. But they've not, by faith, received that gift. They've not yet taken ownership of what it means to be a citizen of God's kingdom. Lord, if anything this last year has taught us, I want to belong to the nation whose ruler can never be overthrown. I want to belong to the nation whose ruler is perfect in every way. I want to belong to the, to the kingdom that knows no end. And the only way we belong to that kingdom is by trusting the Lord Jesus Christ, repenting from sin and trusting in Jesus. And so I pray today that if there's any under the sound of my voice who need to turn from sin and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ to make him Lord and ruler over their life, they would have the courage to do so today. Lord, regardless of what the next 12 months hold, may we be ever confident in the fact that you are our very present help in times of trouble that your plans and purposes for us have not changed and that the gospel is still the best hope that humanity has. May we be faithful stewards of that word, that message, and that gospel. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like more information about Chattanooga Valley Baptist, check us out on the web at cvbchurch.org. If you would like to join in person, we worship every Sunday morning at 1045. We're just minutes from downtown Chattanooga. We hope to see you soon.